Do you believe that with all your heart? Do you know why the world doesn't get excited like we get excited about a song like that? Because they don't know our God. Actually, they would tell you that, yeah, we, we cut ourselves and we pray for hours. We sacrifice. And we get no answer from our God. And then you say, well, that's crazy. Why would they worship their God instead of our God if our God answers and our God is real and our God satisfies and their God does nothing? And the simple fact is, they don't know our God. And I know that this is an uncomfortable subject. Uh, I've said this before, Jean Maynard has mentioned to me, when it comes to missions. She's, we've talked about it, it almost be great if we could have a mission Sunday and not promote it, because it's usually a dip in our attendance. It's a day that a lot of people come out because just hearing about the need and the fact that I should do something, it's easier to tune it out than it is to listen. It's easier to turn a deaf ear and look the other way than it is to be responsible for the calling. I got inspired for this theme and shared with the guys and the team saying, you know, during Hurricane Katrina, the world watched in shock for days as people were being rescued and the rescue efforts were insane and And the video opening up, and I watched a number of those like that. They said, we knew that every second counted. And they said that we knew that people were living on top of the rooftops. And that they were crawling up literally in trees and doing all these things. They had nowhere to turn. They had no answer. They had no hope. There was nothing they could do. Unless somebody came to seek them out, they would have never gotten help. They were desperate. But, but the Coast Guard responded and they said that we knew, as soon as we knew that there was a need, every house that we rescued, every person that we went to, every place that we went, we knew we could not stop until we reached them all. And I thought, man, what, what, a, what a tragedy when the Coast Guard or the world or the Red Cross will get the idea that the world is in desperation and trapped and in need of help and they respond. And yet we have the Great Commission and we do not. You say, what happened? And the stories, if you've never caught up, and I know it's been a number of years ago, now 2005, 11 years ago, it's hard to believe that that was 11 years ago. But as the levees broke and as the waters came in, all of a sudden, like, like a tsunami, like a wave, like a, like a tear just swept through and it changed their world all of a sudden. As you realize the parallel of that, if that is what happened in our world, is, is sin came into the world, it changed, it affected, it trapped Everybody. And the reason that Christ came to begin with, and we're about to go into a Christmas season, and we get so excited about that baby in a manger. But Jesus said the only reason for the baby in the manger was so that we would have a Savior on the cross. And we can get all excited about that, but don't forget the mission behind it. How dare we celebrate Christmas of the fact that He came, and we forget why He came. And that was so that all would know that there was hope in Jesus Christ. Why is missions so important? Maybe this is a new concept to you and say, well, I, I come to church and I enjoy the programs and I go to class and I go to, you know, I, I enjoy my life group and I, I sing the praises and, and God says, that's great, but I've raised you up to send them out. 
I've raised you out to tell others it's not just about ourselves. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. And Romans chapter 10 will begin in verse 1. And Paul is writing for his burden for Israel. And I'm going to show you that he was absolutely burdened for Israel. They were very religious, but they were lost. They, they were confused. They did not have the answers lining up right. They were trusting in their works. They were trusting in their heritage. They did not have a knowledge of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, of what he did for them on the cross. And his description of them is very insightful. And it challenges us as we face the world of the same mission that he went out. And you know, you say the mission he went out, look at Acts chapter one through all the way as, as he went and man was determined and the disciples were determined to find those that did not know Jesus Christ. Let's read verse one and we'll pray together. Brethren, brothers and sisters, is what he said, addressing them. My heart's desire and prayer for God to God is for Israel that they might be saved. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I know, Lord, that as we read this passage that the heart and passion of Paul was the same heart and passion of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we read the gospel, it's got to be the same heart and passion of every person that sits and gathers in a church on Sunday morning. Lord, we've got to be certain in our hearts to know that it's not enough just for us to know that we have a responsibility to share and to go. I pray, Lord, that you'll take this passage this morning. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts. And Lord, no matter how we respond to missions, Lord, that we respond in obedience to you. We pray this in your name. Amen. His compassion was deep. His burden was real. This bothered him. It bothers. Guys, you, you know one thing that I've realized? That we don't respond to something unless we're bothered by something. Have you, have you ever been going through the house and your kids make a mess and you stop and be like, your OCD kicks in and you're like, must clean up, you know, must Pick that up. Must wipe that off. And I was walking through the church this morning. I have candy wrappers in my pocket. And I go through the church and I stop and I'm like, I got to pick that up. And, you know, and I'm on mine. I'm, I'm, I'm planning on preaching and meeting the missionaries and all that. I was like, I've got to do something. I see something that needs to be taken care of. And, and, you know, and don't take this the wrong way as I give this illustration, but it's absolutely true. The world gets this. As they will sit there and they'll talk about puppies and cats that have been left and trapped and misfed and had tape wrapped around their faces and how they're not being taken care of. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to take that image. They're going to put it on the screen and they're going to say, look at the condition of these animals. And anybody with any kind of heart can't sit there and see an animal that's been abused or neglected or whatever and being like, oh man, something has to be done. Something has to be done. And all of a sudden the phones begin to ring. Because people respond to the need. They respond to something that bothers them. Paul was responding to, to the loss. Because he, he saw the need. Let me tell you a statement. That I, I'm, I'm going to preach and explain as we go through this. And I hope you get this through the course of this message. I've been asked when it comes to mission this question more than any other question I've ever heard. Would God send people to hell that never had a chance to hear the gospel? Would God send people to hell that never ever heard the gospel? And you're going to say, man, I hope not. 
Man, I would lose confidence in a God that would send people to hell that never had the opportunity of hearing the gospel. Let me first build up to that question and show you the motive and the the reason that Christ has given us the Great Commission and the purpose of missions. And I want to start with what he was going on about their condition. In Romans chapter 10, he said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is they might be saved. Now there's a word we like to use. We sing the songs, glory I'm saved, glory I'm saved. I get up on Sunday morning and I'll ask the question, how many of you are saved this morning? You know, and I don't care what church you are in America, you cannot say those words without everybody going, amen, or praise God, or raising their hands, or waving. Man, we could, we could sit there and say, but let, let, just stop for a minute and think what that means. You are saved from what? From what? I, I looked up that word because I thought, man, I use that verse all the time. I use passages like that all the time. The Greek word for saved means you are rescued. Or you've been placed in a place of safety. It means the word delivered. Or you've been given health. You were pulled from despair and given what you needed. You were pulled out of a mess and you've been saved. You were on the rooftop and I came to you. You were desperate and I found you. And we rejoice in that. What a blessing. If someone that needed to be saved means that they're in trouble. Do you guys get that? When they responded in 2005... And Katrina in 2016 with Hurricane Matthew. And you go through the different times of the tsunamis and all those things. They did that because they were saying people need to be saved. People only need to be saved when they are in trouble. Guys, can we wake up to understand that the world is in trouble? They're in trouble. And we can't be passive. We can't ignore it. We, we can't turn an eye and turn off the TV like we would if we saw something that bothered us. If a person is drowning, they will die without being saved. If a person was trapped in a car and you watch the news as bystanders stood around and nobody did anything, you would say, shame on them. You let that man die. You left him in that car. How dare you say that you care and did nothing? And I'm going to build up to this, but let me tell you, God looks at the church and says, how dare How dare you look at the world and do nothing? How dare you know that they need to be saved? How dare you see their condition and do nothing? And do nothing. Well, if you put it together, and I start putting the pieces together, Jesus came to seek and to save. He went to seek and to save that which was, what's the word, church? There's another word. Well, we sit there and saved and Someone that's saved means that they've been rescued. But Jesus said those that need to be rescued are those that are lost. I looked up that word just trying to get it here. Because sometimes we just, we, we just, you know, just go scan right over stuff. We don't get into it. We don't dig. And Brother Barry did a great job this morning talking about, hey, if we, if we want to get to the root of the problem, we need to get back to Jesus Christ here in America and the churches and families the root of that word of loss means that they don't know the way. You think about that for a minute. Jesus was saying, I had to go find those that don't know the way. Guys, for us as a church, and I'll get back to foreign missions, 
for us as a church to have a sign in front of the church that says Fellowship Baptist Church is not enough. It's not enough. If we don't walk out of here and find and meet and greet and talk and witness, and I'm not just talking about a program of the church, but a lifestyle of every Christian, to have it on their mind that that is our job to do, because out there they are lost. They don't know the way. Jesus said, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. He, he emphasized that, unable to find their way. I don't think we totally understand this in regards to the gospel because we live in America. Guys, I'll tell you what. I, I, I will be proud on November 9th to still be in America regardless of what happens. Because this is still the most outstanding nation on the globe. We are blessed. And all the blessings that we are given here. And I thought about how overseas in the different countries. And hearing uh, Becca McMurphy talk as she gave that this morning of the stats. That if the rapture happened in the, in the country of Thailand. Nobody would even know. Because there's so few Christians that nobody would even notice. They were gone. And, and, and you see in America that we have... Churches and radio and preachers and we've had Billy Graham and Crusades and we, uh, we have mega churches and we have TVs and we have radios and we have apps and we have publications and colleges and, and, and we have books and we have all these things around us. And I'm not saying that everybody gets it and by far they don't. But I believe it is a far different situation with those around the world that have absolutely have no clue what you're talking about. They are utterly lost brethren my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved for I bear them record that they have zeal of God but not according to knowledge now I know Paul is talking about Israel and Israel's condition even a religious condition and being familiar with God and a history with God it's not the same but at the same time the application is true they have a zeal for God. And man, God hit me with this this week. We sit there and say, well, we'll send missionaries out and they're probably not going to see a lot of people saved. And just be honest, what difference is going to make? And people, da, 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 da. Richard, do you have any of those pictures? Were you able to get those in there? I, I, I had a last minute idea. I sent them. Let me, let me show you something. Around the world, and even the mission trips that we go in, they all have a God. Guys, there's not a... A place on the planet that you're going to go to that doesn't have a God. I, 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 ta- I, I, I told you about how they are, how they're lost. But the Bible goes on and, and starts explaining that they're, they're desperate. Do you realize why they pray to a statue? Because it's all they know. But have you ever stopped to back up and think what was their motive to begin with? I need something greater than myself in my life. They already have that to begin with. There is already a craving to begin with for a God. Now they might not know that that God is Jesus Christ because they've never heard of Jesus Christ, but they have it in their heart and mind that they need a God. And they go looking, they go finding, and they're thinking, hey, I need a God, I need a God, I need a God, I need something. And they'll go find something and bow down to that something because they want to put their confidence in something. That is desperate. 
Rather than turning our backs and say, well, if they're going to worship a rock, they're not worshiping a rock because they believe in their rock. They're worshiping a a rock because they're desperate for something. Does that not bother you? To sit there in fact that we could come in here and get excited as these guys did a great job singing in the different languages of how great is our God. And for countries around the world and people around the world to, to cry out to a God that has never answered them and never done anything for them, that is a, 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 a situation of desperation. And they work for it. I'll be honest. They're more consistent and faithful than we are. They will consistently pray to a God that does not answer them. They will beat themselves. They will sacrifice We we drive through cities of poverty in Thailand and you go up and you see their places of worship for a false god. And it's all made of gold. And I am like, wait a minute. How in the world can they build such beautiful places when they have nothing? They said they will literally give up a year's worth of food and and income and different things like to have a, a just an item put in that place to seek favor with their god. Do you know what I love about this next passage? I'm getting ahead of myself, but I just love this. Because we get into our position, not their condition, but our position. But let me show you one more of their problems in verse, Romans chapter 10, verse 3. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. They are Ignorant. Israel was ignorant. They would take the scriptures and wrap them around their wrists and put them on their heads. And they would, they would follow the law. And the Pharisees took it to a whole new level. And Jesus was going, none of this is going to save you. And yet we see the same thing in the world as they're worshiping statues, rocks, and people, and ancestors. And say, none of that is going to save them. But let me tell you, they don't know any other. They don't know. I heard a missionary talk about the challenges that they were facing. I think it was actually Becca McMurphy. And she said this new generation is rejecting their religion. That they no longer, in in the different countries, they're no longer just following suit. Because this next generation is coming up going, we don't know if we can believe in anything. Because how can we see people in slavery? And how can we see people starving? And how can we cry out to a God for generations and never hear a word and put our confidence in that? And they're starving now. They're starving for somebody to just show them light, to be salt, to be truth, and to expose the lies. So we go from their condition. And I started Paul switches to our position. We have a change of condition because God took us out and put us on the rock. We had a transplant. We had a, God repositioned us into blessings. We are no longer lost, but we are found. We are no longer just sinners. We're saints. We are no longer in darkness, but we walk in the light. We, are, we now have the truth. We've been exposed to the lies and, and, and exposing them for what they are. We are not abandoned. We've been adopted. We are not rejected. We've been accepted. You guys see that we're not the same anymore. We're not seeking. We have been saved. And you say, but why? We, we preach the power of the gospel and it is powerful. And it changes lives. But I thought about this. It's not just the power of the gospel. It is the simplicity of the gospel. 
You realize that the lies of the devil is telling them that they have to work or earn or be good enough. And I think Paul just started going, man, if, guys, if we would just tell them the truth so they would not be ignorant. Jump up to verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. You know what we preach? Do you know what they preach through hearts and hope and what they preach as they go to Honduras? You know, do you know what's been preached through the Williams through all these years? It's not a matter of beating yourself. It's not a matter of paying for your sins. It's simply that if you... If thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see the transition that he says? You are lost. You are desperate. You are alone. But God wants to save you. And the simplicity of it was this. It wasn't a matter of getting up and praying morning till night. It wasn't a matter of building buildings. It wasn't a matter of beating themselves to pay for their sins. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that is the message that we preach. If you believe in your heart that God has done all the work, you will be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now notice this, verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. He did not just die for the Jews. He did not just die for the rich. He did not just die for America. He died for the world. I'll tell you this. We might be blessed. But I tell you, God doesn't love us any more than he loves anybody else on this face of the planet. Let me tell you this. When Jesus died on the cross, on the mind and heart of Jesus Christ was every member of ISIS as much as it was the pastor that pastors a megachurch in, in, in any country. And we sit there and we almost pull ourselves back as thinking, well, they deserve what they've got or look at what they do. Or if they're going to turn to a rock instead of God, then maybe they deserve it. And Paul stirred up in verse 13. And I, and I know we quote this all the time, but I think he's just worked up and he's talking about it. He said, man, my desire, my prayer is that they might be saved. They're ignorant. They're lost. They're bound. They're desperate. And then he turns around and says, hey, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It was his just kind of a, a burst out there and saying, hey, God will save anybody if they've had a life of prostitution, if they've had to sell themselves to pay for food for their kids, if they've been out in drugs their entire life or they've worshipped a statue from the time they've been born, God will save them. Amen. It's a message that you can't earn it, you can't pay for it, you can't be religious enough. It's not about your ancestors, it's all about Jesus. And then we sit there and write off and say, what's the point? There is power in the gospel because it is different than any other religion out there. Religions out there talk about what you will do to please him. But we talk about what Jesus did to save us. It's different. So, well, that's great. There's nobody here that's going to disagree with that. Because of the fact that God makes it so clear of their condition. They do what they do because they don't know any other. And we've been saved because of what Christ has done in our life. Every person here that names the name of Jesus Christ, it was simply not because what you did, but because you called on the name of Jesus. But then we fall right into the commission. 
God takes us from their condition to our position and says, what about your great commission? I believe this world is coming to a close and time is short. Guys, I, I, I kind of went off on this in the last service when we had Sunday school. Depending on what happens in the electric, our nation can radically change. There's agendas behind the scene right now to go after churches, to take away tax exemption, to take away our privileges. It's not hearsay. It is actual fact of what they're planning to do. This stuff is coming our ways. And in and, and months to come, what we do and how we operate could, could drastically change. And I'm not saying that to whine or be upset or whatever. I'm just saying, hey, let's get up and do something. Man, I, I'm not all about it. You guys know me. I'm just, man, things are bad. I, know, I know things are bad, but God is good. And I know that the world is headed in the right direction, but we're heading in the right direction. Wrong direction, right direction. I don't know. Revelation 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. Another book was opened. This is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things were written in the books according to their works. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. If they don't know Christ, if their name is not written in the book of life, if they don't know Christ, they will be cast into hell. Now I know I might have just lost a lot of people right there because then they just buckle up and they say well I, I'm, I'm sorry I just can't buy into that and that, that almost makes me angry to God and I thought there will be people there there will be relatives there will be church members there will be those that have attended our Christmas drama and our Easter drama those thousands that have come here and they heard a clear presentation of the gospel they'll stand before God and they thought I have played the game I have rejected Christ I went my own way. I did my own thing. I told my parents to get off my back. I rejected every opportunity I had. It is on me and I know it. But that's not the part that bothers me as much as those that stood there. And they come up to a God that is not a statue. And he's not a tree. He's not an idol. His name is not Buddha. And is the Lord Jesus. And at the, at the presence of the Lord Jesus, his knee will bow and his mouth will confess that Jesus Christ at that point is Lord. Although he never knew that before, he will know it then. Because up until that point, he was ignorant of who God is. We sit there and say, I don't, to stand there on that day and hear people be thrown into hell saying, I did not know if you would have told me if you I tried I did my thing I was zealous for a God I was desiring a God I just did not know your God that's heartbreaking that's disturbing I take you back to Romans chapter 10 verse 14 how then shall they call on him whom they've not believed? Jesus said, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, which is one of the next verses coming. The power of the word of God is what opens their eyes to see that God is their judge and their savior. And 
how shall they believe on him whom they've not heard? God said simply, if they don't get the word, they will never believe. They never know the truth. The light never gets turned on. The salt never takes effect. The lies are never exposed because we hold the light. We harbor it. We keep it in the United States. We keep it in our pocket. We, we come every Sunday and we glory in it. And we praise God and we rejoice in it. But we don't share it. We don't give it. We don't send it. And how shall they hear without a preacher? The messengers that you heard here this morning, the ones that you heard their presentations, those are the ones that say, I will go and I want to go. Verse 15 goes on and he explains it like this. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Guys, that is what this day is all about. That is it. You guys came in this morning and all of our bulletin was a faith promise card. We've done that for years. We base our budget of what we do and how we send and where they go and everything that we budget through there by us giving. Because we believe not only in Fellowship Baptist Church. We not only believe in sending out people to uh, Canal Winchester and Groveport. We believe in the fact that God wants to reach those that have never heard. And God says, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. And bring glad tidings of good things. Do you know what Reba does? As she walks in there and she works with these ladies and they work with all these facilities and ministries around there. They walk in and say, not only are we going to help you out, but we're going to tell you about a Savior that loves you, that will never abuse you and never turn his back on you. I, I think a verse that convicted me, I was reading and flipping the pages and Paul said something later. And I thought about that, that mission of, you know, standing before God and those that will stand before God. And I read Romans fifteen twenty. It says, ye, ye so have, uh, have strived to preach the gospel, not, not where Christ was named. Lest I should build on another man's foundation. But it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see and they that have not heard shall understand. Because you, do you realize why we're going to sit there and say, yes, is Fellowship Baptist Church important? Yes. Is the ministries, the Broad Street mission and things that we do important? Yes. But Paul stood up and said, there's a world out there that is not gathering in the same place week after week after week to hear the gospel again. He said, I want to go to those and give them a chance, sow the seed, turn on the light, that they at least have the choice to say, I'd want this rock instead of your God. At least they'll have the choice because they are not ignorant of our God. What we're challenging you to do is turn to compassion and action. As we see a world in destruction, and I'm talking spiritually, we see the physical devastation of this world and what sin does. But spiritually speaking, they are without Christ. And God says, send them the hope of the world. 